We, I've given a lot of heavy sermons in the last couple of months since October 7th, but I want to share one word of Torah. It's something that's really kind of lifted me up lately. So as I was teaching this week in Kabbalah, the rabbis have a notion that creation and freeing people, redemption, and the revelation of Sinai, these are not past events, but they're present events. They are actually happening in every moment. And this is one of the fundamental things that separates the Cognoscenti from the Amha'aretz. The Amha'aretz thinks we're celebrating things that happened in the past, and that's what it is. And those who are at another level, understanding we're talking about in every moment, freeing from oppression is happening in your psychology, in your mind, in the world. It's a present call. It's a present occurrence within you and others. Creation is happening in every moment. It's kind of what you and I call nature or the laws of nature. It's happening within our bodies, within trees, and enlightenment is happening at every moment. And we have that image that you probably know, that we talk about more on Shavuot than we do at Parashat Yitro, which is at Mount Sinai, it's not just the refugees from Egypt who are there, but all of us were there. You heard this before. Every Jew was there. Every Jewish soul was present. It's a mystical teaching, perhaps you're told. We were all at Sinai because in a way, we were all still at Sinai as well. So when my wife converted, she was told by the rabbi correctly, you were at Sinai as well. And that's why I teach the conversion class. You should only convert if you feel to me that you're coming home to your own soul, that you're already at home in this religion and it fits you. So I've been thinking a bit about time travel and what it could mean. Like for me, it's so familiar to talk about something like we were all there magically because it seems to me that half of the movies of science fiction that come out these days are about time travel. They just always seem to be about like, sure, I went through a wormhole and now I'm here. And in 10 seconds, I explained the whole uh, assumption of the whole movie and people seem to be able to go here and there and everyone's time traveling. And I was wondering, Well, we take this for granted, this idea. When did it arise? Where did we get the notion of time travel? And I always wonder these things. I mean, Einstein came up with the relativity of time. I mean, he was Jewish. How Jewish are these things? I mean, did we, did, could this have somehow filtered in from the Jewish tradition? So I leave it to you to decide, but I want to teach you about one person if you've never heard of him. This may be one of those most important Jews you've never heard of. Have you heard of Rabbi Aaron David Bernstein? Born in 1812, died in 1884. He was one of the most important rabbis of the 19th century. And me, former, whatever you call it, graduate student, teacher, adjunct professor of modern Jewish thought, had never heard of him. He was born into a Jewish family in Danzig in 1812. He went to Berlin at the age of 20, where without any formal education, he immersed himself in the German language and literature, He began to write on a wide range of topics. He started work as an antiquarian book dealer in the city, but then he became a famous literary uh, writer, and he he embraced writing as his full-time profession. Among his earliest publications were a translation of the Song of Songs with critical notes and a biographical preface by Leopold Zunz, whom I had heard of and taught. And he wrote Das Junge Deutschland, Young Germany, which became relatively famous. In the mid-19th century, Bernstein took an active role in the movement for synagogue reform in Germany. Remember, reform and conservative Judaism basically started in the 1830s and 40s, and he was a pivotal figure. He was the principal contributor to the monthly periodical Zur Judenfrage, 
published from 1843 to 1844. In 1845, he was appointed to a committee tasked with formulating, quote, the line of progress necessary for Jewish religious affairs. He was entrusted with the task of editing and refining the committee's Entwurf and was one of the principal authors of the Aufruf that called for the establishment of the reform movement among German Jews. It was published in German newspapers in 1845. He co-authored the prayer book for the newly organized reform movement. And although he declined to assume the role of rabbi, he frequently conducted religious services in that capacity until a permanent rabbi was appointed. He was the editor of the monthly periodical Reform Zeitung, an organ for den Fortschrift in Judentum, which appeared in 1847. He participated in the revolution of 1848 in Berlin. In 1849, he founded the political monthly Zeitung, in which he published in 1852 ultra-democratic articles, which led to his imprisonment. Paper was finally suppressed in 1853, and so he established a different journal, like its predecessor, just devoted to the dissemination of democratic views. He was one of the foremost authors in the genre of ghetto literature. He was the author of two novels depicting Jewish life, Vogela der Magid and Mendel Gibor, initially published in Yosef, in the Yarbuk for Israelite, Israeliten, and then in book form in the 18, in 1860, and then later in, uh, republished in 1892. They were translated into multiple languages, including Russian. And unlike contemporary ghetto stories, Bernstein's novels were intended for a Jewish audience, and they make extensive use of German Jewish idiom. Uh, I could go on about his influential political works, and they were abundant. In addition to all of this, he found time to publish uh, a multi-volume book called, he, he published more than you, Liz. I mean, it was really extraordinary. I always admire Liz because she's always writing, and I'm always like, I wish I could always be writing. So he also found time to publish the multi-volume book from the field of natural science, published 1853 to 1856. It was later republished under the title in English, Popular Books on Natural Science. It was translated into many languages. It was frequently reprinted. And a Hebrew translation entitled Idiot HaTeva, The Knowledge of Nature, appeared in Warsaw in 1881. And so he, he was famous, popularizer of science. Um, in 1855, he published ideas on space and time and the speed of light which appeared in the uh, book, The Stars and the Earth. It, the edition was republished in 1923. In one of the stories, so he is credited in one of those stories as writing what may be the earliest time travel short story ever. If not, according to scholars, it is one of the earliest time travel stories in history, okay? It talked about the following two things. One was it said, imagine along a telegraph wire that the speed of the travel along the wire goes at the speed of light. And now imagine what it would look like to be able to see the speed of light. By the way, I'm doing this from memory. He also made multiple inventions he invented a way for the telegraph to communicate two messages at the same time. And he also invented something else that we use all the time. I think it was at trains where like the bar goes down and goes back up. I, I mean, just in his spare time. And then he said this, he said in one of the short stories, he said, imagine this, we know that the light that gets to earth, by the way, we quote this a lot in services, 
the light that gets to Earth is light that started traveling a long time ago. So he, he imagined, what if you could travel faster than the speed of light? And he imagines this protagonist shooting to a star. And he says that the Earth that the protagonist is seeing is actually an Earth from long, long time ago. They're watching wars that have long gone past. And I would add, he didn't say it, they're watching the revelation at Mount Sinai. And then this protagonist traveling faster than the speed of light can shoot to different stars so they can watch different periods of human history. A young scientist and his teen, a young man in, as in his teenage years was really obsessed with this story. Thought about it all the time. What would it mean to see the speed of light? Because at the time it was thought of as a wave, but you wouldn't be able to see a wave. And thought constantly about this idea of seeing different times at the same time because of a relativity of time. Albert Einstein said later, and it's been published several times, that it was dwelling on this story that triggered him to come up with the theory of relativity. Shabbat Shalom.